When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's got to feel aggravating for the national media in some respects because I know that they have been chomping at the bit to make this thing about the Packers passing the Bears in all-time wins. Like, we talked about it on our fantasy show. And, and we never talk real football on the NFL Fantasy Live show. And I'm like, why are we talking about this? If the Packers win and the Bears... Like, why are we assuming the Bears are going to lose? Why are we assuming the Packers are going to win? Neither thing happened. It's amazing to me. And I think that a lot of the national people are now upset that the Packers are not going to get that close. And you know what? They're, it, it, it might not. Now, it's one of those things that you look at in the future and you're like, There's, they're not going to catch us. And if they do, it's not going to be long sustaining. But at the same time, there is a chance that the Bears can just put a little breathing room between them, setting up a showdown with the Green Bay Packers at some point. But you know what? There's a lot of stuff ahead of time. We got a week 11 game in Sammy. Let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports Entertainment. Like no other, it's going to be sick. As stated, it is week 11. Welcome to the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. We have got an amazing show set up for you today. We're going to have Tim Jenkins of Jenkins Elite to break down Justin Fields today. We're going to have our friend Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated joining us. And if, if that wasn't enough, and you're like, Rank, that's that's too much show right there. Oh, we're going to have Lawrence Jackson Jr., of NBC Sports, and of course, Lord Don't Lose, he is going to be joining us as well. It is going to be a huge show. We're so happy that you're here with us today. And I do want to go back again. I'm, again, putting the the cart before the horse, worried about the all-time wins. I think, to me, still a little bit of a big deal. I don't know. There was something special about it. And I know that a lot of people don't talk about it. A lot of people don't care. And to be honest, people didn't care until the Packers got close. Then everybody all of a sudden, then it became a big story. And then once the Bears start putting in some breathing room, which is going to happen, now nobody's going to, everybody's going to go back to to not caring. And that's fine. But it's been cool. You know, and if you think about it, over the last number of weeks, we've seen how much the Bears have garnered a lot of attention. Justin Fields being one of the most electric players in the NFL. Good morning football on Friday dubbed themselves the uh, the Jack Sanborn show of record. And I know my friend, our friend, 
draft Dr. Phil and Shane, they're going to be super upset about this and they're going to take shot. Don't listen. If the national media wants to jump in on something that we've seen for a while, that's fine. Like you can't be mad at somebody who lives in Arizona. Who's like, I really love Portillo's. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's fine. You, you're late to the party, but cool. You're here now. I'm not going to be upset about it. So it's a fun time to be a Chicago bears fan. And again, it goes back to the fact that Justin Fields is playing so well. So here to break it down today, uh, our first guest was a high school standout at Thunder Ridge High School in Highland Ranch, Colorado. But by the way, how cool is your high school up your Thunder Ridge? We're the Thunder Ridge. Uh, he went on then to go play at Fort Lewis College, eventually reaching the NFL with the St. Louis Rams, playing in the CFL with the Calgary Stampeders. He is the founder of Jenkins Elite, a quarterback academy whose alumni includes Panthers quarterback P.J. Walker. Uh, he is one of the best in the business when it comes down to breaking down the quarterbacks on Twitter, and he's a legend. Please welcome to the show our friend, Tim Jenkins. Although I just met you two minutes ago, but I'm calling you our friend already because <laughs> I feel I feel that close to you. I appreciate it. I'm pumped up, and I'm pumped up about that intro. That was a great oh. intro, and uh, yeah, I think um, I think Justin Fields is getting a lot of attention, and it's it's deserved. It's rightfully so. And by the way, I want to throw this out there too. We don't we're we're anti Jeff Fisher, right? Because we don't yeah. like him, so we can be mad at Jeff Fisher. He was your coach for a little bit, but uh, again, what do you, what have you seen out of Justin? I what was your pre? I guess what was your pre draft? look on Justin Fields coming into the league because that seems like a lot of people yeah they whenever they talk about him it feels like did you not see him play at Ohio State did you not want like it just seems yeah. weird uh what was your pre-draft analysis of him I well I think that first and foremost my biggest I do like people to change their minds and I think I like that because yeah. I'm one of them I think yeah. with Justin coming out you saw how gifted he was I more I wasn't like mad at Justin I was mad at Ryan Day right? Like they go into play Alabama who yeah. is going to give you quarters. And they basically ran every single route concept that is, was the quarters was designed to cover. So it's like, yeah. you didn't even give the shit of the kid a shot to go and be successful in the biggest game that anyone was going to see him play. Right. So to me, it was like, that's where I walked away from the tape. And it's like, it was really hard because you saw how gifted he was. And then simultaneously you saw these struggles but were these real struggles or were they like, okay, we went and we said, we're just going to play it like we're playing Indiana and you're playing Nick Saban, right? Yeah. So that was part of the issue for me. I do think when you look at where they were at the beginning of the year, there were some real struggles to be had with what I call dealer's choice, right? Mirrored concepts. Yeah. So think you got two receivers on each side and they're both running the same concept. We always called that dealer's choice because you're essentially betting on the quarterback to get to the right side. Yeah. They were having struggles with that early. Then they've adjusted. They've done, gone more pure progression where it's like, hey, man, no matter what, we're going to read this thing one, two, three, no matter the coverage. Justin excels in that. And then mm -hmm. I do think there's a little bit of once you start having a ton of success, now they reintroduce some of those dealers' choice last week, and he made great yeah. decisions. Whereas earlier in the season, you know, I remember the first time I turned on some Bears tape, you sit there and you're like, man, the last time spot was that open – right? Is this coming Thursday when you go play Aunt Judy and Turkey Bowl, right? And she's an <laughs> off corner. That's the last time it's going to be that open. Yeah. And he missed it, but it was because his eyes weren't in the right spot. I think they're doing a really good job helping expedite his growth, but also challenging him with some of the concepts. And I think he's rising to the challenge. 
No, that's been one of the best things. It it how comfortable he looks in the pocket. I know this week the the game against the Detroit Lions did not work out the way that most Bears fans wanted, but immediately the first play of the game was a designed run. But you could see the development in the pocket. You could see him making his reads, making his progressions, which is always weird then when you see some of the national media being like, this guy can't throw. Let me ask you, can he throw? Can Justin Fields throw? Not only can he throw, I also think the thing that I have an issue with is that he's a one read and go. Because if you watch any of his scrambles too, there's Mm -hmm. nothing about him in scramble drill where you're like, oh yeah, he's got his eyes down. Like think about how many big time completions he had against Detroit where he's moving around in the pocket scrambling and then delivers like a guy yeah. doesn't then all of a sudden look up like that's not how it works. So to me, it's like, I don't like that. And then the big thing for me was when you saw the progression, you know, they said on the TV broadcast, Hey, it was his third progression. It's his fourth. Cause that alert clear is one, right? So he yeah. worked alert, clear, shallow, deep Hank, then gets to the backside cop route and delivers a strike on third and eight, right? Like those are down and distance where if somebody works four progressions, they understand what the heck is going on out there. So to me, that was exciting. There are still enough clips to where if you do not like Justin Fields, you can point to and say, look, he missed this screen route and he threw it outside or up oh, this cop route. He threw it high and outside. That's a bad throw. And it is, but it's such a like kind of, uh, I, I think like falsely intellectual argument because you sit yeah. there and you like try to point to something that, you know, darn well, Tom Brady missed last week too. It's just the nature <laughs> of playing quarterback, right? Like we miss throws. It's the same, like MLB pitchers, right? They miss their spot and the third base coach can't come and take out their kneecap, right? So (laughs) if you then think that all of a sudden, hey, these guys are supposed to hit everything and it's like, we have guys trying to tackle us. That's where it's, to me, it's like a, it's not a good argument. So I do think there's still those throws that he'll clean up. I think a lot of it comes from footwork. I think they're going to adjust. I, so right now he has his right foot back and then he'll do kind of like a, we call it a punch three where you move your left foot and then take three steps. I think they'll get into the Brady, like one skip where he takes a step and then hops and it'll speed a lot of it up. I think if they get that installed this off season, I think the timing issues or any of those accuracy things, I think they evaporate into thin air. Well, it's true though, because when you watch it, you see it. And I think that, you know, the group that I watched the games with, of course, at Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, PCH location, by the way, we'll be there this Sunday. We're we're pretty good about like that. Those things happen. Like, yeah, it's not like playing Madden. It's not like everything's going to be a dime every time. There's so many things happening. You're like, okay, like I see what he's seeing. I understand what he was trying to do there. Like to me, uh, I guess when you're producing a morning television show, though, it's easy to cherry pick some things. And and yeah. that's the one that's that's one of the things of television production that goes in. So if you're a former Eagles running back and you're like, I don't think Justin Fields is good. They can send a production assistant to go find all of Justin Fields bad throws. They do that yeah. for us on the fantasy show. Like they'll be like, well, show do you want a Josh Allen good film or bad film? Like always show good when it's me. Always yeah. show good because I can understand <laughs> Cause I always make that remark too. Cause I'd be, you know, obviously we're judging like, who am I, but you're judging players. And you're like, this guy's not good. Well, compared to NFL quarterbacks, he's yeah. better than me. Okay. I'll, I'll always throw that caveat in there, but it's at the same time. It's like, but show like these guys are, you know, they're gifted, like to get to any level. And I'm sure you get this in your life all the time. It's like, I was a decent high school athlete who tried to go to the next level, which was college. And you're like, the funnel that goes from there, then when you just consider how far up it goes into the professional ranks, it's like these, 
you get here, you're you're not a first round pick by accident. Yeah. But you know, some people seem to. I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm monologuing right now, and that I, I should not be doing that because you're sitting right here. Uh, earlier in the season, though, they the Bears were not doing a lot of designed runs, and that's something yeah. that's kind of developed over the last couple of weeks. Is that something that the coaching staffs looking at it long term? To be like, we don't need to do this yet. We need them to work on some other things. What kind of ha- what would be the explanation for that? I think they just didn't know. Uh, this is going to sound this is sound crazy, but then I'll make it not sound crazy. They didn't know how athletic he was, and the reason I say that is because when quarterbacks break runs in practice in the NFL, no one can even get close to him. him. Yeah. So they don't know that actually, wow, this guy got close to him on film, and you called him down at practice. He wasn't. Because he broke that tackle in real life. But you don't know that. Then they got into it. They got into the season. And they saw him get into scramble drill where he broke a couple of big runs. And they said, okay, maybe this kid is as athletic as people were trying to tell us. And that's where you then start to get the design run. So I, to me, it's like that's not an indictment on the coaching staff. No. It's just the reality of the NFL. It's not like high school where you still tee off on your quarterback in week eight, <laughs> right? Like, oh, yeah. he's live too because he needs to be tough. Like, that's not the reality of what's going on in the NFL. So that's, I think, why we're now seeing it. I also do. I'm a fan of the quarterback design runs. I think it's good for this offense. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I still think the most dynamic plays happen on a true drop back because there were some cool, like on the read zone, he popped a big one to start. And then that 67 yard touchdown was on read zone. But to me, what I love is it's like the one that he then hits Cole Komet on the touchdown. Yeah, that's. You could say read zone. In reality, it's a boot pull because those guys stay at the line of scrimmage, and that's more or less an ex- a design scramble situation. And then how many times did we see him convert third and you know 12 against the Cowboys where it's like, oh, okay, I'm out of the pocket, right? Backside spin or frontside step up. Like those are the hidden yards that like QB design run, a DC doesn't lose his mind in the box. The defensive coordinator goes, well, you know, we, we played it wrong. We'll be fine mm. next time. When you drop back on third and 14, scramble around, run and get it, defensive coordinators lose their mind. Like there's something to be said about how paranoid these guys are going to be going in to defend him and how good the scrambles are. So to me, it's like I'm excited about the QB design runs. I don't want to see them go overboard with it because I still want to traditionally drop him back and let him use his gifts, right, from the man upstairs where it's like, dude, I don't know where – like. There's no one on planet Earth that can do some of the stuff he's doing and then go and get out of there and make a play. Is the style safe, though? Because I hear a lot of people talk about that. And for me, you know, tell me. I, well, I'll, I'll give you my dumb opinion. Where it's like, yeah. uh, if you've seen this offensive line, like I'm, I'm, I trust him more just being a runner than I do having yeah. him stand back there at times. But is it? I, I, I'm with you. I don't think that, I think that they're starting to now develop that because now that they've scared defensive coordinators around the world, yep. that they can be like, we don't have to run these as much. But I still think like, it is a style that he needs to play, right? Yep. Yes. And then is it safe is such a great question. Yeah. I think you've got to look at like the total picture. He is so much more Josh Allen build perspective than RG3. And this isn't yeah. a shot at RG3. Great Not player, right? But he's so much from a Bill perspective, more Josh Allen. And then I truly think he protects himself so much better than, say, Josh Allen. The only issue I would have said was, like, last week, the when he goes to punch it into the end zone, like, do I think we could have maybe 
gone pylon instead. Sure. Yeah. But it felt like he delivered the blow a lot more than he got it on that play. That oh, my God. His yes. shoulder and gets into the end zone. So to me, it's like, okay, I can live with it. But I think he does a better job protecting himself than Josh Allen. Um, and Josh Allen has, has proved to be durable. So I do think, like, listen, anytime your quarterback's out of the pocket, it's going to be much more of a dangerous game than in the pocket. However, we've seen with guys like, you know, Tua, guys like, uh, you know, Brady when he got his knee, like those are pocket guys, and it's still a dangerous game. So to me, it's like I think his style is safe because I think, one, he's <laughs> extremely well built, and then, two, I think he does a really good job of protecting himself. So I'm not as worried from that perspective. Um, and I just feel like they're doing a better job than like, so like the play Trey Lance gets hurt on that's straight up quarterback power. Yeah. And from like between the twenties, right. So to me, I'm like, ah, don't love that Chicago. When I've seen quarterback power is down tight, right? Like, Hey, it's within mm-hmm. four yard. Like, you know, Hey, we're going to try to go punch this in for a touchdown. So I get it more. Um, I would love to see not that much quarterback power. Cause I think when you're in tight is when you can kind of get rolled up on, um, you have to have a little bit dose of it, but no, to me, I think it is sustainable. I think it's safe. Um, and I do think it gives you breathing room to develop everything else that he'll have to transition to at some point. Like, I think we're seeing it with Russell, to be honest. I think, you know, a lot of people want to dunk on Russell for whatever reason in, in Denver, but I think a lot of it has to do with like, eventually you can't scramble as much as you could. And unless you've developed those other aspects, and I think Chicago is helping him develop those other aspects there's going to be a ceiling. And I think hopefully they're, they continue to pour into that other aspect. And then there will never be a ceiling for him throughout his career. Now, and let me ask you how similar though, because obviously Hackett and Luke Getze were on the same coaching staff in green Bay last year or the last couple of years. How similar are those two offenses with Chicago and Denver? Because I always said in the beginning of the season, too, I'm like, if Russell Wilson's not getting it, I'm not going to freak out if, if Justin Fields yeah. is a little behind, too. How similar are those offenses? I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I've probably watched I've watched every single clip of both of these offenses. It, nowhere similar. Like, really? Not, like, They're not. It, not even concepts. Like, a lot of the concepts you guys see that you're using with those, like, we call them cop routes, but the corner stops to really sit in those voids. Denver yeah. hadn't ran once. And I think it's a great route concept. A lot of the, like, even just, like, the run-action shots, you would have not have guessed that those guys have ever spoke football before, right? Like, <laughs> it's just, like, it's that different. I also think, like, and this is, you know, I, 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 try to, I try to not take shots at guys without knowing what's going on inside. But, like, I, I think the truth of the matter is, just from the film, I think Chicago's doing a way better job of leaning into their guys' strengths. Like, I think Chicago, mm-hmm. if you really – you know, I know everybody loves the power clip where Justin Fields does the exact same thing as Aaron Rodgers. But yeah. it, outside of that, like Luke has done such a good job of adjusting and curating the system to what he has. And then the second they added Claypool, there were completely different concepts that guess what? Claypool's really good at from running outside. And you kick Mooney down into the slot, who I think takes a lot of heat. And I think he's much better than people tell him, say that he is. Yeah. You kick Mooney into the slot, he has some strengths. And they they started having some completely different route concepts. Like, we hadn't seen slot fade from Chicago that much. <sighs> and then all of a sudden, we saw it the first game that Claypool and Mooney are on the field together. Like, that to me is really good coaching. And Hackett, to me, more or less, is still in that phase of, like, I need to give Russ input and, and all this. And I think, like... There's something to be said about Hackett from the outside looking in seems like such a genuinely good person, which yeah. worries me on if he can be <laughs> successful. 
Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm not going to try to say that you have to be a bad person off the field, but like you have to have a little bit of amount of ego where it's like, nope, it's my way. Like, I'm not listening. Like we're, we're running this organization like I want to run it because guess what? You're going to get fired in 18 months if you don't anyways. So you might right. as well run it exactly how you want. Cause the worst thing that ever, you know, the worst thing to happen is now you're going to go be an OC for the rest of your life or a QB coach the rest of your life. No one will ever give you a head job again. And you're going to sit back and go, man, I wish I wouldn't have given those players that much input. Right? Like that's the right. reality of the business. So I, I think Luke's doing a really good job up there in Chicago. I don't see a ton of similarities, the run game more than the pass game you could yeah. say, but even, I just think Chicago is Chicago to me. If you look at the broad scope of new coaches, Miami is a cut above everybody, in my opinion, of of doing really innovative stuff. Chicago right. is right there, and then it's everyone else in terms of adjusting to who they have. Yeah, and Mike McDaniel's done a tremendous job. He also has Tyreek Hill yeah, and Jalen Waddle. You, you, well, you mentioned Chase Claypool a moment ago. There was a huge debate in Bears Twitter and Bears Media, wherever like people thought they overspent for Chase Claypool, which to me, like, it costs what it costs. You know, I, w- yeah. I would have preferred to pay a six-round pick, like what the Browns paid for Amari Cooper. But you know what? Sometimes that's not realistic. How big of an – I know you mentioned it – you touched on it briefly, but how big was that, bringing in Chase Claypool? How big – how how does the, the, the Bears receivers room look right now? Because I'm not saying it's it's what they got going on in Miami, but I also don't think it's the worst thing in the world. It's not. And this is what people – this is what we don't – on, this is what we take for granted. You bring in a guy like Chase Claypool, and let's say we've decided he's our bona fide number one over Mooney. Let's say that we've decided that. I'm not sure that I would really go that far because I do think Mooney's much better than, yeah. than we're saying. But let's say we say Claypool's our bona fide number one. Mooney is all of a sudden a really good number two receiver, in my opinion, when you look at the actual tape and not just off of like what people aren't familiar with him, right? Like that's... Yeah a whole different discussion in like the national perspective. But then all of a sudden, like you start going down the list of like, okay, now our number three receiver. And then all of a sudden you factor in Cole Komet and you do all these things. That's what makes it so good to me. That trade is because it's like, do I think Claypool is the best number one receiver in the NFL? No. But do I think now all of a sudden, like you look at the one, two comparatively to the league, I think it's above average. And I think in terms of like, you know, you could say you overspent. We also have a lot of cap space and we haven't done a lot for this kid who we're trying to see if he's a franchise quarterback. So maybe it's okay to overspend in one area to give the poor guy a shot back there. You know what I mean? So that's where like, I think it's, it's all relative, but I do think that that room's better. And I just think a lot of me, I, I love the formations where if you get Cole backside as the tight end, we call them nub sets where the tight ends, the last guy backside. You get Claypool extended as the number one, and you get Mooney in either the two or the three. You get into those sets. There's so many things from a D coordinator's perspective that's hard. Okay, let's say, oh, I bumped the corner over, right? Because that's what you think. Hey, we're going to bump the corner over. We'll drop the safety down. So what happens when they run read zone to that side? Now you have your fastest player, the corner, away from where Justin Fields runs. Good luck. So now you bump the corner inside, kick those safeties over. So now you got a corner one-on-one with Cole. Right. Good luck stopping those corner stops, those cops routes we talk about where he bodies yeah. it up and Justin fits it in. Okay. So now we leave the shell even. Okay. We'll just run the ball. Like there, you can't, like there's so many things now. And then all of a sudden, if you say, okay, well, we're going to kick to single high and then we'll man the front side nickel. So now you have a nickel on Mooney with, with, let's call it 23 yards of space to work from his alignment right. to the sideline. 
Like, there's just so many things you can do from a like nerd on film perspective that is so exciting. So that's where I think that trade is such a such a big thing long term for the Bears. I don't think like we're gonna see the full effect of it because you're trying to catch them up to everything right now. Yeah. But you will see the full effect of it come week one next year. Yeah, I think a lot of people are a little impatient. And again, I go back to the Madden. Madden has been great for the NFL. Yeah. It's also ruined people to be like, dude, it just doesn't, you just don't trade for somebody. And then he comes in being the <laughs> same amazing player you saw over in Pittsburgh. It's going to take a little bit of time. And his his snaps decreased last week. But you know what? Again, we're playing the long game here. And it's yeah. one of those things that this is what we want to see. And we want to see the development. And what do we need? What do what we, by the way, I, I, I did want to go back and address you can, you can call Darnell Mooney a number one in this show. Like we're, we're good with yeah. that. We're, we're, we're one of the Darnell Mooney shows of well, record. So we're, the reason we're, we're I, good. the reason I say that is because I, I, I don't know who it was, but someone was like, Justin well, Fields. I have, I have a couple of ideas who it probably yeah, was. I can't remember who, but it was like his best receiver is a number three receiver. I'm like, Mooney is not a number three receiver. You would have to watch seven clips of that kid running routes to yeah. say, yeah, he ain't a number three receiver in the NFL. He's a really good receiver. And I think he's, Talk about a guy, you know, Fields was different from the first, you know, week one to now. Yeah. Mooney, in terms of the way he's starting to set up his routes, meaning like, hey, we're on the left hash and I've got a sale on the right hash. I'm going to outside release it. Now we're to the boundary. I'll inside release it. He's doing really exotic stuff that like normal people don't care about. And I'm sitting in my office like geeked up, right? Yeah, Calling my wife. Hey, I know you're homeschooling <laughs> four children, but I got something to talk to you about, right? Like there's like really exciting right. stuff that I think he's doing that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think that, yeah, Mooney to me, he's, he's on that cusp of, I think he could develop into like a bona fide one. No one would question it. But even right now, if you say he's the two in there, like that's so darn good comparatively. Yeah. No, I like uh, when you think of it in an NBA jam perspective, you're like Claypool, Mooney, you're like, okay, I'll take yeah. that. I think that's a pretty good combo. And I think it's one of those things too, because that's what everybody's been calling for. Like we, that was the whole off season. Like get this, get this guy some weapons. You're like, okay, how about this guy? Like, well, not that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> figure out what you want then. You either want him to be protected no. or you don't. Uh, there's a lot of things. The offensive line has looked better when Justin has started running more in the, yeah. um, in the, in the, in the, in, in the early downs at the end of the game, the last two weeks, we've seen kind of those deficiencies mm -hmm. kind of rear their, uh, rear their ugly head. Now at the last drive against Detroit, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume you saw it. Yep. Should they have still run? I, I felt like they got away from the run a little bit too quick. Yeah. Should they have continued to be like, eh, We'll, we'll be cutting it close time-wise, but you got to still run it, right, in one of those two-minute drills? Well, I think, they fell, I, I think they fell in love with Justin will create mm -hmm. and not that we have to have a great uh, concept, right? Not that we have to have good run plays or a good mixture. They're just like, hey, put the ball in that kid's hand. He'll create, which partly is true. The other part of it is you still have to realize he's a second-year quarterback, and we got to, you know, there's still yeah. some things that we got to help along. So, yes, they should have kept running the ball. The reason, though the protection has gotten, you know, astronomically better with him running is what do you do? You reduce twists. You can yeah. no longer ET or TE, right? When people say ET, it's just in first tackle. Second TE is tackle first in second. When they twist, that's all it is. You reduce those because if you're running the ball and you catch somebody in a twist, there are gaping holes. Like when you, whenever you watch it, like Sunday night football and they're like, I could have ran through that. It's because they were in a twist, right? Yeah. no, 
no no human on planet Earth can move a 300-pounder that wide. It's because they started moving and we caught them in the right look, right? But yeah. that's why. And then you add the component of we're not traditional run. It's QB run as well. We can read it. And you just scare a D, uh, D coordinator to the point that, like, we can't twist on early downs. Then when they get into pass situations and they twist, you still see the deficiencies in terms of communication, sliding them the right direction. What's hard for me is I'm not in there, so it's really hard for me to say, man, it's on the center or it's on right. Justin. That Mike declaration, though, people take for granted on how important it is to just simply turn the line the correct way in terms of, hey, you know, 48's the mic or 53 or whatever it is and making sure our line's going the right way. Part of me thinks that that'll improve as more gets put on Justin's shoulders if it is going through the center right now because a quarterback always, when they're in control of it, it's way better because they know, okay, hey, boom, I moved him this way. My vulnerability's here. If I have a dealer's choice, those concepts we were talking about Chicago likes, I'm going to yeah. start my eyes here because I got to know where my deficiencies are too. So there are things that'll help as he becomes more in control. Um, and then if he is in control of it right now and there's still the deficiencies, he's probably just not used to every look and he will get to that point that he's used yeah. to it. And it's one of those things that like he'll get there quicker because it's protecting himself, right? Like there's a lot yeah. of things where, you know, we all have certain things we care about and then there's things that affect us and we really care about, right? So to <laughs> me, it's like, uh, that's going to be something that he he's going to do a really good job with as he just progresses years wise in the NFL. Oh my gosh. This was so, by the way, I got to tell you, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, we got to, uh, we got to be moving on, but thank you so much for breaking it down. Thank you for uh, explaining everything. I feel better now. I'm not that I felt, not that I ever not felt better. I was been, you know, been driving this bus, this hype train forever, but it's good to get somebody who, you know, outside of me, who, somebody who knows what they're talking about. So we cannot thank you enough. I hope, uh, I hope we can, I hope we can bring you back sometime. I would love to, I'd uh, love to continue to talk about this some more. But uh, let everybody know. Oh, there you see TJ T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. Go check it out. There's and if even if you're not a Bears fan, if you want to just go around and watch some of the best quarterback breakdowns from around the NFL, make sure you go check that out. It's going to be a worthwhile endeavor, and you can see the passion. Uh, that's the one cool thing about it is that you love it, and we can feel that through the screen. I teach my students at Chapman University. I'm always like, you got to have that passion, and you yeah. certainly got that. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. There he goes. The great Tim Jenkins. Make sure you are following him on Twitter. His breakdowns, unbelievable. Uh, one of the best in the business. And I'm glad we were able to clear the air on a couple of issues. And speaking of clearing the air, we spend 90% of our time indoors. And indoor air can be five times dirtier than the air outside. An air, pura, air purifier can remove tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, wildfire smoke, chemicals, and viruses from our breathing air. And right now, if you use the code 67, uh, you'll get 7% off your purchase from www.airpura.com. That's www.airpura.com. And uh, I know our friend Sean, who watches the games with us at Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach, PCH location, where we'll be this Sunday. Uh, he bought one recently and he loves it. All right. Making a return to the show. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, and God, it's been 10 years. No, five years. Five years. Still, five years. It's amazing. And before that, he was a member of the NFL media's around the NFL team, providing excellent coverage on all our platforms by there. He's a alumnus also of Syracuse, which means he's smart. And uh, although this summer, a lot of people would have disputed that because he was running around telling everybody 
that Justin Fields needed to enter the transfer portal. But you know what? He is here to talk about that right now. Wanted to come address this right now. So please welcome to the show our friend, legitimately our friend, Connor Orr. Connor, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I was uh, very thrilled to see your your uh, your note today or this week where you're like, hey, I want to come back on the show. Because a lot of times people will say things and then they disappear into the wilderness. But you're you're willing to come head on and uh, talk about some of the things that you said. So what, what's happening? Oh, so I sent it to you on Sunday. I actually wrote an apology to the Bears. Um, I, I staged it as an email to yeah. Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles because I'm assuming that they have my email blocked in some sort of internal Maybe. filter at this point. I would think so, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so I figured why not just post it to the masses and listen, I – I, I've been talking with my editors a lot about this. Um, as I've kind of developed into this NFL columnist role, there has to be humility in this thing. Like yeah. we we can't we can't just like keep standing on horrible takes. I think if 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 I can come out there and say like, hey, I was dead wrong on this. Here's mm-hmm. why I think I was dead wrong on this. Please forgive me and let's move on to the next thing. I think that makes it a better place to be a fan, to be a reader, to be a writer. So I was like, you know what? Let's kick this off by uh, by saying sorry to to the Bears. And we love that. And it's one of the things, and it's a lesson, you know, I had to learn a couple of years ago where I famously picked the 49ers to finish 3-13, and 13, the year that they ended up going to the Super Bowl, ultimately losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. But at some point, you know, you know your take is horrible. And you're like, and you know, I think that as long as you explain why you feel that way. And for me, it was the questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't know about this. We didn't know that Joey Bosa was going to be, or Nick Bosa was going to be as good as he was. And people are like, okay, you're an idiot, but okay. I think again, (laughs) you came on during the summer, you explained your reasoning. I just, you know what? People are like, okay, you've got a reason for believing this. And I think having the, as you said, humility to go out there and address it. And people will be like, okay. Yeah, Connor made a mistake, and we're cool. I, I hope that you can be as over in Chicago as I am in the Bay Area, because they love me in the Bay Area now. And I think that we'll we'll get that we'll we'll get you over in Chicago. What has the response been like? And people, I know that Chicago does have a certain like. There's certain 49er fans who I know will never forgive me, uh, and I'm sure that a lot of the meatballs there'll be there'll be guys who will never forgive you of this. But how has the response been? Well, so just a funny story before I get to that. So I, I pick every team's record every year. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. That. Um, and I picked uh, last year, I picked the Bengals to go three and 14. Um, and that's the worst week of the year for me because uh, they connect me with our, our, our in-house PR team gets me to go on every radio station in the country, yeah. basically. And you say, why do you think we're awesome? Or why do you think we, we stink? And it was at the end of like two weeks of this. And then I was on with uh, Mo in Cincinnati who. Uh, oh, we, Mo Egler. Yes. So, and, and we, we, we like, we love each other now. Everything's great. But it was at the end of like two weeks and I was just sick of doing them. And then he's like, you know, I think the Bengals are going to be better than you think. And then I just stopped and I was like, find four wins on that schedule, find them and show me. And like, I was defiant and I was angry yeah. and I was tired. <laughs> he, he had me on this year and he's like, are we cool? Um, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I'm writing a cover story on Joe Burrow. And, uh, but in fairness, that, <laughs> So I, um, I was reporting that story out 
And mm-hmm. I told all the players that I interviewed that I picked them to finish with four, three or four wins. I couldn't remember what, what it was, but I was like full transparency here. I'm, I'm a jerk, but like, I'm that uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I believe in that. Um, but my response from bears fans has been really great. <laughs> it was funny. The only negative comment that I got from a bears fan. Um, Cause I, I don't know why I still have direct messages open, but I do. Um, someone was like, yeah, this was great. I really appreciate it. However, your shots at Elon Musk are unwarranted. In the oh, that's I, fair. I, I was like, I was like, all right. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> was, like, was it? I, it must have been Mike North. <laughs> I, just, uh. I just like, he's going to shut the platform down. I don't think I was wrong about that. No, but, uh, no, no. You were fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been great. I feel like, um, I feel like I've gained some new friends in the process. No, 100%. I think sports fans are like that because they really, I've always found that they really get upset with the people who dig in their heels and will not concede like this was wrong. That was, you know, like, cause it, and it happens. Like you said, we have to pick these things in June. So many things happen. So similarly, I predicted the commanders to win three games, maybe four. And so all the commander fans are coming after me. I'm an idiot. And then it goes to where it's like, what were they? Two and four, two and five, whatever it was started off terribly. Then there's a whole, there's a whole, nation of commanders fans were like, Oh, rank was actually right. We're sorry. And then Taylor <laughs> Heineke comes in as quarterback and they're like, Nope, rank. You were terrible. I'm like, you guys, like, I can't predict that Taylor Heineke is going to come in, play and be a bad quarterback and still somehow find a way to manage to win games. Although the players love him. There's something to be said about that. So I do appreciate uh, what you've been saying about the Chicago bears. What do you think about the team right now? What is uh? What do you think has been? I, I mean, it's easy to say that it's the designed runs and everything like that. But what has been the biggest difference for Chicago this year, from your estimation? I think it's the offensive line, and I remember you and I arguing about this. Like, what you know, in your point, which ended up being the right one, was well, why can't a fifth round pick be a legitimate starting offensive lineman in, in, in his first year? Why can't some of these guys play better than they've ever played before? And my thought was. I was working off of, so I know one coach who runs this system in another place told me Mm -hmm. once that it takes two years for these guys to get completely comfortable with everything, the movements, the footing, all that kind of stuff. And as far as I knew, most of these guys had not done this uh, routinely in their prior careers. And so you watch some of the tape and again, they've moved away from some of the core sort of wide zone concept stuff, but some of the footwork is the same and you watch the tape and they're just like, these guys are athletic. They're big. I mean, I was just, I, I was really impressed. It was something that I didn't see coming. And obviously the design runs help negate some of the pressure. They're not on islands all the time, but man, I mean, just the athleticism, I think was something that really blew me away up front. Yeah. And it's been nice to see. I know that, you know, and Braxton Jones will still go out there and make some mistakes. Tevin Jenkins has ended up, somehow being our best offensive lineman, I, even with Cody Whitehair fully healthy, I think we would all agree that when Tevin Jenkins is in there, he's been a huge difference maker. But yeah, the design runs, we were just talking about it with Tim a moment ago. Like, you know what? Those are the things that really help a quarterback develop. And so now we're looking at it. We're like, okay, I'm going to ask you though, because there's a huge divide amongst the Bears fans. And we have, a, a you know, there's groups, you know, I think I would be, I'm going to fall into this group of, I want to see us win. I want to see us win games. And I know that not winning ugly necessarily, but like wins still matter to me. I still want to go to a game and watch it and be like, ah, we beat the Dolphins. We beat the Lions. 
And then there are other people who are like, no, it's cool that we lose. We want a draft pick. What do you think's the best way? Like, what do you think? Like, wait, what, what school of thought do you come down on? I mean, I, I, especially this year, like, who are you, who do you want? I mean, you yeah. know, I think there's going to be two quarterbacks in the top two and you don't need one of those. And so I think everything in the middle, you just sort of trust your process. You know, there's going to be great players at three and there's going to be great players at 15. You know, I would, yeah. I would guess that's your window somewhere in there, probably 15, 16. I, I think you have to win games because even though there's a year to year turnover, I think Matt Eberflus and, and Ryan Poles and these guys, they have to, and which I think they did with the Chase Claypool trade a little bit. They have to, they have to make that clear in their locker room that like, Hey, we're not, we're not playing patty cake with your prime <laughs> athletic years. You know, we're, we're taking this. Yeah. Seriously. We want you guys to win games. That's what we're all here for. That's how everybody else looks good. And so I think that that's the thing that has to come across because, you know, I've done big investigations on tanking with Hugh Jackson and the Cleveland Browns. We've done other ones at the magazine um, on the dolphins at the time. And, and the, the underlying thing here is if you put players through that scenario, Mm -hmm. they're going to break down emotionally, yeah. physically, and, you know, there's no rebuilding from that. So I, I don't, I, you can't put your team in a position to lose. And I know you could argue that they might've with trading Roquan Smith, but you got somebody back that I argue probably helps them a little bit more in, in the immediate. No, I agree. And I, I understand like the Bobby Quinn trade. Now he's, they got a fourth rounder for him. He doesn't even play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now they don't, they haven't been using him. He yeah. could be somebody that makes an impact for them down the stretch. Roquan was not going to resign with the team. He wanted to go somewhere else. So you got to, you got to pick for him. You got a second rounder. Like that's pretty good. That's a, that's a pretty good return. So I don't think that anybody should be too upset about that. And I don't get the sense that they're tanking. I think that they want to, I think they're, they want to win. They're invested. They're trying, they're competitive. And so that part of it has been good. One team that's not been competitive is uh, the Green Bay Packers. What is what is up with them? Are they done? Like I I, I listen. I always look at it like it's a, a scary movie, and I'm like, until I see, until I see the, till I see the body, I'm not going to assume that they're dead. But are the Packers dead? And even then, when you see the bodies, even then, I don't believe it. I won't yeah, believe they, it. They make a second one, and he's alive somehow. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I don't know. Last night, um, last night was bewildering to me. That Titans game was, you know, cause there are games that you see them play in where there are no open wide receivers and you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're limited in what they can do and I get it. I understand it. Last night, Aaron Rodgers was missing throws and he yeah. was missing throws by a centimeter against the lions. He was missing throws by like two or three inches against, um, the Titans. And that's a big deal. Um, especially when you're a guy who relies on precision. Every time he throws to Sammy Watkins, there's some sort of passive aggressive fist slamming. And it's just, the whole thing looks like a disaster. AJ Dillon to me has been the biggest, and I know the offensive line's got some issues, but like that guy should be, he's built to roll over people. And yeah. I I've been stunned at the lack of just pop in short yarded situations, they couldn't gain a yard when they needed it last night. And they didn't even have AJ Dillon in the game. And uh, I'm stunned. Uh, you know, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Every team's hurt. Every team's injured and they have no excuse for this. Yeah. It has been a, a stunning downfall. I know, you know, in a fantasy sense, I really liked Aaron Jones coming into the season. He played well last night. At least he got double digit fantasy points for me and they lost, which is exactly the scenario I'm always aiming for. 
But it's been like, I remember during the draft process of the fantasy draft process, I should say. So everybody's like, well, if I don't get Aaron Jones, I'll get A.J. Dillon. He's just as good. And it is just not proven to be the case. It was, was Devontae Adams, though, was he the one? Was he just holding it all together? My understanding was that even if it was like sort of a Roquan situation, right? Where like, I don't think he wanted to be there forever. Yeah. I think he wanted to be somewhere else. And so that situation, I don't think is really on Aaron. I don't think it's any really on anybody. It's like, he didn't, I, I, I just get the sense that he would have rather go somewhere else. And so I think when he leaves, one coach explained it to me this way. If you lose someone like Devonte Adams or Julio Jones, prime Julio Jones, one of these guys, you need to replace him with the component parts of his skill set in order to make that offense work. They have not done that. Um, I think they thought they might've done that, um, mm. but these guys aren't ready. Um, they're not on the same page. And then you have the second element to this, which is that Aaron Rodgers likes to break the pocket and he likes guys to be where he wants them to be. That takes time. We've, we've been saying that about Aaron Rodgers for years, but these have been professional wide receivers, not young guys. And so I think this has been a difficult process for them. Yeah, you, you think about Christian Watson, how well he's played over the last couple of weeks, at least near the end zone. Uh, if he was doing that as a number two with Devontae Adams there, I think that it would look much different than, hey, you need to be the number one guy on a quarterback who wants to win right now on a team that's not um, that's that's built to win right now as opposed to the Bears who are building for the future. Circling back to the Bears, what do you want to see from them for the rest of the season? Like, what do you, what what is the goal? Like, what do you need to see? Like, again, fans being who they are, but do you like in a national media sense? Like, what do you want to see from the Bears uh, over the next couple of weeks? So we took the looking at the end of the Detroit game, right? And mm. Justin, you know, they started. They had a guy that was exclusively reserved for preventing him to run. You know, a faster defender. Um, and so what that means is you're losing somebody on the back end pass in, in your in your pass defense. And so the end of that game where they need the field goal to tie it, Justin is getting man, man to man, right? Which mm -hmm. is something that it, you know, Peyton Manning in your later years and you know, all these guys are going to just dissect so routinely. Um, and it's it's easy for them. Um, I think I want to see Justin get to the point where he really forces defenses into the Josh Allen conundrum, right? Where it's like, we have no choice. Like right now teams are like, we're going to sell out to stop the run, prove it to me um, uh, on the back end with the pass. And again, the receivers, they're still developing. I think their talent there, but I want to get to the point where I want to see Justin Fields. And I think he can do it is put them in a no win position. And right now defenses still have us. They have a place where they can dig in and they can kind of make that stop if they need to make that stop. I want to see yeah. him get to the point where you line up in man and we're just going to torch you, you know? And I think that they, I think they could get there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel the same way. So if you were doing the 2021 NFL draft quarterback class again, who is your top pick? I don't know. I don't know if I should ask you this because I feel like we're friends now, but I'll, <laughs> I'll allow you. Who are the who rank the quarterbacks from that class? I would still take Trevor Lawrence. That's fair. First, okay. I would probably, uh, I would probably take Field second. Yeah. Um, and then, um, That's help fine. me out here. No, help it's fine. Here. Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Trey Lance, Zach. Okay, so I would take, um, 
I would take Trey Lance next. I would take Zach Wilson or uh, Mac Jones next, and then Zach Wilson last. A uh, very distant. No, I'm just kidding. But no, but I think <laughs> I think that's fair, and I think like that's the one thing. I'm glad that the Bears fans and Jaguars fans have not been going after it too too much. Not like the Jets and Bears fan, like next week, it's going to be a nightmare. But I think that's fair. And I think that, you know, everybody watched Trevor Lawrence for so long. He was a guy that we wanted to play in the NFL during his freshman season. We'll not, we'll not be upset with you about that. I think that we've done a great thing here. Uh, let's let everybody know how we can reach Connor on the... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sammy. Sammy, he's our friend. Sammy, first of all, he's our that. friend. I did that. He's I our, did that. He's our friend. Oh, I love it. Sad Rod. Don't do that to yourself. Listen, I, again, <laughs> back in August, I thought we had a great conversation. I was not upset with you. I was like, okay, I disagreed, but I was not upset. And I'm glad that Bears fans have been very cool as you gave your Mia Copa uh, cool. a couple of days ago. So we appreciate that. So everybody who's listening to us right now, uh, if you're watching the show on YouTube or Facebook, comment the word sick. Let us know that Connor's a good guy. We're not mad at him. We're going to be nice. He does not. I got to work on getting Jason Lock and Fora on because I got to, I got to, that's another friend of mine that I need to, who will not, who will not do this. So uh, we got to figure out a way to do that. But um, uh, I don't know if you and Jason crossed paths when you were at the NFL, but in any event, um, want to thank you for doing this. It is always a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we can have you back again sometime and uh, continue to talk about the development of Justin Fields because I feel the same way as you. Want to start seeing him take advantage of that man coverage. So I think we're all good. So, again, Bears fans, if you said something mean to Connor, you better take it back now. But uh, I want to thank you for being here and thank you for doing this. All right. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, thanks, Bears fans. Uh, By the way, before he comes on, I just want to make a quick announcement about underdog fantasy. That's right. Uh, underdog fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports it's simple to get started just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app sign in with the promo code sick and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 listen if your fantasy league is not going the way you wanted it to you can go to underdog fantasy right now sign up get a new team play some of the contests it's uh it's essentially there's like an over under game it's amazing it is so much fun. It is going to be the way that you're going to be playing fantasy football in the future. Uh, but don't tell our next guest. No, I, this is why I had to get this out now. But I want our friends at Underdog, they do a great job. There's a lot of great content out there. I think you should always consume it. But by the way, uh, we've got a special treat for you. This young man is one of the fastest rising stars in all of fantasy football. I would even say in sports general in coverage, because I have I have been a huge fan of his for quite some time, and now he's getting a bigger platform. Now, he's a proud alumnus of Mars Hill University in North Carolina. He's had a vast array of experience. You might not know this. He started with Fantasy Pros covering college basketball before starting to cover NFL. He had his uh, Lord Don't Lose podcast. And, of course, at some point, when you're this good, one of the big boys is going to come up and snatch you up, and that's exactly what NBC Sports Roto World did probably over a year ago. I think it's been over a year. And of course, he's part of the uh, Matthew Berry, the hap- the Matthew Berry Happy Hour Show. He's part of the Fantasy Life newsletter. Uh, you've seen him everywhere. Please welcome to the show. I don't know if I should call this Fantasy Isle or if I should call this Ranks Rival because he kind of fills both buckets. But please welcome to the show our friend, Lawrence Jackson Jr. What it do, man? What's happening, man? That's That's got a rank, uh, no pun intended, amongst the <laughs> best uh, – 
intros oh, stop. Uh, that, that I'd have never heard, man. Appreciate that. <laughs> no, we appreciate everything that you do. And I know that our producer was giving you a hard time for wearing a Braves hat. And I, I want to tell you, first of all, number one, I will always have a lot of affinity for the Atlanta Braves. The first <laughs> ball game I ever went to was at the old Fulton County Stadium when I was a right, kid. We right. actually lived. We actually lived for a year in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Okay, and and so I mean, I was too. I, I wasn't even in first grade, but you know, so I always have a little bit like because I don't. Apparently, I was not. I, my parents never took me to Wrigley Field for whatever reason. And then when we got to Atlanta, I went to a game. And then you know, and then also the Braves beat the Dodgers last year. So I'm always the Braves are always cool with me. You had Freddie Freeman for the longest time as well. But how are you? How is everything going for you? Yeah, man, I can't complain. You know, man, just uh, getting to work, you know, uh, putting out this content. uh, And we are trying to, you know, make the best predictions we can while still winning them fantasy leagues. So it's crazy that we in week 11 right now, man. But that's just how I go. Uh, Off season, always all of the buildup. And then it's like the the season is like the actual wedding. You know how you do all the planning yeah. for a wedding, and then the wedding is gone like that. Gone that's that's where we at. <laughs> so crazy to already think that we're in week eleven, and eleven incidentally is the number of targets that Kyle Pitts has had in the entire season. That's what, what is going on. on? What is going on with your guy? Like that? Like if uh, one thing that will always stand out to me when I think of the twenty twenty one season. Outside of the Bears stuff and the Bears playing so well and Justin Fields looking like an amazing player, the Kyle Pitts thing will stun me forever. I, I, I feel like we'll be studying this for years. Yeah, well, this is the thing. We wouldn't have to study it if <laughs> Arthur Smith actually just used the players he drafted. Now, a lot of people from Atlanta wanted the Falcons to draft Justin Fields. Justin Absolutely. Fields from Georgia. He grew up like 35 minutes away from Atlanta or whatever. So Atlanta don't take Justin Fields. Okay, cool. You draft Kyle Pitts. The next year you draft Drake London, and you're running the offense that the Bears are running right now, (laughs) which this offense that the Falcons are running will be great for Justin Fields right now. It Mm -hmm. it will be utilizing the quarterback strengths. The problem is we don't got Justin Fields. We got Marcus Mariota, who's like a bridge quarterback right now. So now it's like, all right, man, why didn't you draft Justin Fields? But it's oh, okay, it- though, because now they're going to pay. Because now he's coming to Atlanta, and he's going to show them what they missed out on. <laughs> do you I, – I, I, do Atlanta fans, do they want Justin to come out and have a huge game and be like, this? you deserve this. You deserve um, this, Arthur Smith. You deserve this, Arthur Blake. Yeah. This yeah, is what definitely. you get. Yeah, they they Atlanta Falcons people in Atlanta is definitely more ready to say I told you so. It, uh and especially if they lose the game, that'll be the double whammy for Justin Fields cuz Justin Fields been going off, but they've yeah. been the Bears been losing. But if he go off and they win, which is a a great possibility against the Falcons, um you know, then that'll give Atlanta fans the even more reason to say I told you so, Mr. Arthur Oh my gosh. It's, it's such a, I remember draft night and if you know anything about me, which you do, I was all about Justin Fields, huge fan of his at Ohio state, loved him. I I had him as the number one quarterback coming into this draft. I knew Trevor Lawrence was going to Jacksonville. So there's really no concern there. And I was really worried 
Not so much about San Francisco, because I'm like, San Francisco's going to do something. So I actually thought San Francisco was going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So I wasn't worried about them so much. And then when the Aaron Rodgers things fell off, you're like, okay, well, maybe. But they're going to go Trey Lance or Mac Jones, yeah. like, for whatever. Atlanta was the one that always stuck out to me. Like, God, why is it that I'm like, Atlanta was playing it too cool to where you're like, oh, they're probably drafting him. Because you don't. Like that's I I, I got to go back and look through my 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 predictions piece back then because I really do believe that I was like Atlanta's got to take him. I mean I can understand the philosophy of like you have Matt Ryan you think that you can continue to compete yeah, maybe you get a guy like at the time too yeah you're like okay so this you can sell this to me about like all right that makes sense but at the same time you're like I think Justin Fields is amazing and I would I would rather have the quarterback than the tight end and it's kind of Kind of working out that way. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's crazy is, is as much as, you know, whatever the hell the Falcons is doing right now, they're four and six right now. If Kyle Pitts had 600, 600, 700 receiving yards right now, nobody would care because we would be saying, all right, cool. They just get a quarterback in the draft. And, and uh, like you, prior to Justin Fields even becoming a bear, I was on him as my top quarterback coming out of the draft. Again, this kid from Georgia, him and mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence from Georgia. So we kind of heard about these dudes for a long time. They've been linked together for an extremely long time. So now that you got Kyle Pitts here and he got like 17 yards on the season, <laughs> we like, what the hell? At least let him get some fantasy stats. We ain't winning We because we could put pair him with a quarterback in the next draft and it would be cool. But now – we questioning like, all right, this it doesn't even matter who the quarterback is. If we run in uh, Tyler Algier, no disrespect to him, but he's not the fourth overall pick in the draft, you know. <laughs> so it, it, it's just wild, man. It, it'll it'll be interesting to see how this game shakes out because the Bears' offense has been on fire, um, and the Atlanta Falcons' run game is very respectable. Yeah, it, it feels like I. I don't expect it to be very high, even though people look at the defenses and be like, oh, this is going to be a huge shootout. But I think they're both going to run. This is something Cynthia talked about when she was on the show last week about when you get these teams that run the football, the games end up being shorter because like the clock's Shoot. constantly moving. So I it, it feels like the Falcons, to the detriment of the guys they drafted over the last two years, don't want to throw the football, which is fine. And uh, I understand that. But how do you see this? Breaking down, how is the Falcons' run defense? Should the Bears have an opportunity? I know a lot of people, and this is like real life in fantasy. Uh, is David Montgomery going to be a huge play this week? He's one of the biggest plays. I don't even see how he's outside the top 15 plays, and that's even playing it too short. Uh, you saw what Deontay Foreman has done to them twice in the yeah. past three weeks. Obviously, Austin Eckler had a big game against the Falcons as well. So running backs have been eating uh, at a great rate against the Falcons defense recently. And, um, you, you know, now that Khalil Herbert's out of the mix, you could pretty much say that David Montgomery's going to get the work that Khalil Herbert got when Montgomery was out. I wouldn't worry too much about um, your boy Tristan Ebner. Um, uh, and no, yeah. He, you he know had, he's my guy. I, you know I love him, but yeah. He, he had um, seven touches the one game and eight touches in the other that Montgomery was out. So I, I would ex- based off that, I would expect him to come in and give David Montgomery a breather. But this is a chance for Montgomery to get right. I like Cole Komet, too. Um, 
he been stepping up. And speaking of the running game, Justin Fields done threw at least two touchdown passes in three straight games. So the pass game, especially against the Falcons, like you could have that versus them. You could have I think anything's on the table now. I know you expect the game to go fast, but with this game being over under a 49, that did come down from 50. So maybe the under is something to look at. But uh, both defenses, uh, you know, will will have opportunities to give the other offenses a lot of yardage. And then it's going to come down to who has the ball last. And I just think it's going to be Justin Fields, and he'll make that play that he what that he didn't get the opportunity to against the Lions last week. Well, it's been back to back weeks. He had an opportunity against the Dolphins too, and you know you probably yeah. heard the end of the conversation we were having with Connor about how you want them to start finishing these drives and start finishing these games because both times yeah. I've yeah. been ultimately confident, like, oh, well, Justin's going to do it. He's going to pull it out. I want to continue to have that feeling, but we still need at one point for him to come out and do it. And I think that every great quarterback in the NFL has always had that moment of like, okay, this is where it was. And this is where it could have been. And I think going back to Atlanta, doing it there, and not only did the Falcons pass on him. I mean, obviously remember Georgia also chased him up to Ohio. State. I don't know what it is about these Atlanta or these Georgia teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they what are they doing? Like, for what are you Jake guys? From. Come on. Jake from it is, it is inexcusable to me. What have you now, as somebody who's liked Justin Fields since his time at Ohio State, he was your number one quarterback. Obviously, Bears fans take it very personal when guys like Dan Orlovsky or other people go out there and say negative things. And now it's Shady <laughs> McCoy. How about you? Like, I know that you're not a fan of the Bears, but you're a fan of Justin Fields. Have you been super upset with these guys as well during this the, the past uh, up until this week? Uh, no, it, it it just go to show, you know, it, it's like they they'll talk like this until it happens, and then the conversation will be like, "Well, that's what I wanted to see from him." Yeah. But then there's guys like myself. It's like I've seen it. It's just maybe not at this level, but let them continue to build around him. That's what people need. Like pretty much like to it. Like they finally built around him. Let them continue to build. There's a I think. There's a reason they traded away Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, but yet brought in Chase Claypool. They're like, you know what? Let's just see what the kid does. Let's see what this offense does. Let's give him something to go the rest of the way of the season, and then we'll reevaluate, and we'll see if we want to go all in. I think now they already know they want to go all in. So that's like every quarterback needed. So yeah, it's like, you know, even, you know, Zach Wilson, I'm giving him time to get better. All these dudes need time. Now, Zach Wilson ain't going to be no Justin Fields when it's all said and done. But still, we got to get these dudes time. So and when when it comes to what those guys are saying about Fields, it'd be a lot of contradictions. Because at the end of the day, do you want your offense to put up points or do you not? And do you care how it gets done? I don't need a guy to throw for three. He's going to do that. He's going to have games. Eventually, Lamar did it. Justin Fields is going to have games where he, where the team needs him to throw for 300 yards, and that's what they're going to get. But some games, it'll call for him running for 90 and throwing for 190. That's just how this 
these quarterbacks get it done now. No, and it's true. I mean, we see all the most successful quarterbacks in the NFL right now outside of Tom Brady, but those are the old guys. Like you're, you've been grand, like for lack of a better term, you've been grandfathered in. Like we'll allow you, Tom Brady, to continue to be excellent. Yeah, and he's done still kind of doing it too. He's still, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's still really great. But you see like Matthew Stafford already looks out of place. Matt Ryan looks out of place regardless. I mean, if you get to play the Raiders every week, then you look good. But it it is guys like, and I'm curious too, like, what do you think about Daniel Jones? Now, number one, I'm thinking about dialing him up in fantasy this week because I think that's a pretty good matchup. But it's like, does Daniel Jones, like, has he kind of like earned himself a spot in the NFL? Because like the Giants are winning, he's been productive, or is it something else happening there? Man, uh, I'll tell you what, speaking of that mobile, like he's going to soon, he's going to be the minimum threshold of mobility that you need at the quarterback position. But um, he, you know, he's doing his job. But man, I will tell you this. I won't be surprised if they have a quarterback, another quarterback in 2023. Like the, the Giants are playing some really good football, like. Saquon is carrying the team and it kind of goes as Saquon goes like he he's not Saquon is playing great this is best year since his rookie year if he don't have a good game those are the probably the two games that he lost um but Daniel Jones give him credit he's doing his job he's completing the assignment because at the end they're winning games and he has made timely throws in some of the games even against the Ravens he made plays at the end well enough um and and Lamar Jackson did it the Giants like to stay close and just make the play at the end and 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 he could and he could do it but um I'm not I won't be shocked if there's another quarterback there that that's the one thing the one situation I I, like I'm just I don't know man it is wild because could you because could you see the Giants being like five years whatever whatever could you see that for real yeah and there's Daniel Jones still out there. Yeah, I have a hard time with it. I think that Daniel Jones is the perfect type of backup quarterback for somebody like Justin Fields, where you're like, hey, if some, like if you needed somebody to come in and play three games, who you're like, he's he's athletic, he can it run these good. designed runs. I mean, you saw him against the Bears, and it was all. And it's funny because it's it's not funny, but Saquon Barkley set up all of Daniel Jones's touchdown runs, and I think that I yeah. I, he had two one week. I forget which team, but it's it was strictly due to bootleg. That was the Bears. Yeah. It, it, you saw it was like defense is crashing down on Saquon, and he's wide open. Listen, so let, we talked about Justin Fields. We talked about Daniel Jones, right? If you're just watching football, you don't know anything. If you look at these two, you're not saying Daniel Jones is better than Justin Fields no. at all. Like never. It, honestly, it ain't even close. It ain't Justin Fields is putting the offense on his like they don't do anything without him. Yeah. Daniel Jones, they probably could do more if it was somebody else, but they do it, but he's good to do just enough, if that makes sense. Yep. He's a bare minimum guy. And I think that's what he's giving him. He beat us. So I don't I don't want to. I, I probably shouldn't bag on him way too much, but I do. Well, that uh, was before Justin Fields was that's Superman. True. That's that true. Before. That's when we are settling. They don't want to see them today. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not a lot of teams want to see us today, which is good. And I hope uh, it helps. It works out for us this week against your Falcons. I'll call them your Falcons because I don't know. I needed to wedge in. I, <laughs> we always do this thing. We have ranks rivals, and we always bring in somebody who comes. I'm like, 
God, I don't know if Lawrence is necessarily like like a Falcon. You're not like a Falcons beat writer or anything, but I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a good excuse to get you in here. And I'm glad yeah, yeah, yeah. that we add you in here. And again, um, you fill a couple of buckets too because of your vast fantasy knowledge. So before I let you go, though, I do. Uh, I, I have a personal fantasy. Qu- I know that you probably hate this, but I could have just text because now that yeah. I have your number, yeah, I'm going to yeah. start texting you and annoying you. Um, but I want to know, I got Kirk Cousins this week. Yeah. I don't love it. I don't but I feel I feel like I have to play him though. Still, am I crazy? Unless, well, what would you do? Like if you and it's a touchdown and it's a league where touchdown passes are worth six. Mm. So, would you still go with Kirk Cousins or would you go pick up Daniel Jones right now? Ooh, it's a tough one. Good matchup for Daniel Jones. I know because like I look at it because obviously the uh, it's a great opportunity to run the football and they're going yeah. to run it against Detroit. But I feel like they could be in a similar situation of when they played Chicago, where it's like Daniel Jones could end up running for two times. Like he's probably going to rush for at least 40 or 50 yards. So I don't know. The, the Giants could, and this is this, the Lions are away from home too. They always play better at home. Yeah. Um, the the Giants game could could go in so many different ways. Like I could, they could possibly get a lead and, just run the ball on him and Daniel Jones does nothing. Uh yeah. Most of his fan most of his production come from people not taking him serious. Like yeah. no nobody care about him running. But Kirk Cousins has that floor that you like. Like, especially yeah. after seeing what the Packers did to them last week. But because of the rushing upside, I'm gonna grit my teeth. Uh oh say Danny Dimes. All right. Give him two touchdowns, 250 total yards. That should that should do you a solid right there. Just no yeah. turnovers. Don't turn the ball up. Kirk Cousins could turn that ball over. He'll turn it over. Yeah, that's true. Against that Cowboys defense. is a lot safer now. Yeah, it's true. Vikings coming off a huge win. Dallas leads the NFL in sacks. You convince me. And next week, the – Minnesota Vikings play the New England Patriots, so you probably don't want to play Kirk Cousins for a couple of weeks. So if you're in a position where you're really desperate for a quarterback, uh, you might want to go and look for somebody. Well, listen, Lawrence, I love this conversation. I I, I hope we can do it again. I know, Definitely, again, you, you give me sure. – I want to do this again sometime. I kind of brought you in on a huge show day because I felt like this, is, this has been like Lollapalooza. Three great guests who I would have loved to have spent more time with. I want to spend more time with you at some other point. Uh, can we? Uh, so I hope we can do this again. Most definitely. All right. Well, listen. Let everybody know where they can follow you. Are you on? I I always catch your happy hour on Wednesdays. What nights are you on with him? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on there every Wednesday. Um, it'll come on at noon Eastern time. Replays at 4 p.m. Eastern, and then again at 9 p.m. Eastern. Case for the folks who are uh, you know handling their grind at work. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I didn't know if there were any other days. I just. It just happens to work out for me. I'm driving to uh, my teaching gig at Chapman University, which I, I felt like I've now name dropped twice. Um, and I hear it and I'm like, I always, and it's always like, I always love to hear your voice. And I think that you bring such Appreciate a great perspective. It, you bring a great perspective. And uh, it's one of the reasons why you're one of the most sought after personalities in all, in all of sports, not just fantasy, not just Falcon stuff, but in all of sports. So I'm proud of what you're doing. Appreciate Keep up the good work. And uh, let's do this again really soon. We'll do a proper visit to Fantasy Isle, and then, uh, but in any time, and if there's anything I can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. 
Yeah, man, appreciate you having me on, man. You you notice I wasn't like it didn't take me long. As, hey, man, let's do it. We ready All to right. go. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you. I appreciate. I know you're a very busy. You're a very busy man, so I appreciate you carving out the time for us. Um, and don't go away. When I close the show, I want to talk to you afterwards. But uh, so stick no around. You stick around. The rest of you, uh, thanks for watching. If you're in the Southern California area, meet us up at Rip Beer Company, Huntington Beach, PCH location. We'll see you then. Uh, until that time, bear down. And uh, Sammy, just go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.